0: if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. We'll be to this morning, Lord willing, we'll be in Luke 6, 43 through 49. Luke 6, 43 through 49. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 49. We're we'll ending up, Lord willing, at the end of the Gospel of Luke chapter 6, um, and we're going to see what it means for us to be a disciple of Christ, uh, having a a fruitful foundation, uh, if you will. So we're going to be seeing that this morning, the importance of of, uh, the right foundation and the fruit that is produced from that foundation. So Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 49. If you're physically able to do so, let me invite you to stand as we honor the ring of God's holy and written word. Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 43, going through the rest of the chapter, the word of the Lord is this to you and I. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. and An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the rock earth without a foundation against which the stream or the flood beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great let's pray together father we thank you for your word this morning may you add your blessing to the reading of your word and guide us now we pray for the sake of your great name in Jesus name amen and amen thank you You can be seated so I know that all of God's word is powerful, so I, uh, I mean no disrespect to the rest of God's word, but I do think we come across a very poignant and powerful passage this morning as we look at what it means for you and I to, f- to have a good and uh, fruit-filled foundation or a foundation that produces good fruit, good things, things that are right and good in, in our lives we're going to explore. We'll see in our text how, and by reading it, we've already seen how Jesus has already used two. He uses two analogies, two parables, if you will, of or word pictures of how the life of a believer or a disciple of Christ is going to look. He uses first the idea of the tree, the good tree and the bad tree, but then second of all, uh, of the foundation. He he'll use the this to uh, to describe to us the importance of. Of uh, the fact that a tree it can only bear what it's at the core of its character, and a foundation can only sustain that which it has been built to sustain, and so we see this idea here going going forward as we as we look at what it means to follow Christ and. So, as we let's let's dive in together here in this passage, and let's pick this pick this chapter uh, the the remainder of this chapter apart, uh, so that we can better understand and grow in what it is that the Lord wants us to learn. And so, let's let's uh, let's join let's jump let's jump right in here to this idea of a fruitful foundation. The first thing I would put before you is simply this: the first point would be this: the reflection of the disciple of Jesus, the reflection of the disciple of Jesus. It's found in verses 43 through 45 here. Jesus is talking about a good tree and a bad tree. Let's look at it again. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush or thistles. Right, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his Mouth speaks. And so Jesus is laying before us very clearly what it means for us to be disciples. That is, that we will reflect, if we are followers of Jesus, we're going, our lives will reflect that reality, it will reflect that truth. It may, it may bear it to varying degrees. There may be some times in our lives where there will be much more fruit, uh, and at other seasons there will be less uh, because of different things that we have gone through and trials and troubles and tribulations, but there will always be fruit. There will always be good fruit. And so the principle of the fruit-bearing Christian is is evidence or the follower of Christ is it's an evidence of who we really are who you really are so there's a there's a there's a saying right we talk about our kids you know just listen to a child long enough and they'll tell on themselves well this is true of adults too right if you listen to someone long enough they will eventually tell on themselves they they will eventually tell you who they are and when they do believe them right believe them when they tell you who they are when they tell you what they're like believe them because that's they're being honest and open and the same is true for a follower of christ and we are as christians followers of jesus we are evidencing as we produce fruit the evidence of who we have been transformed into right we were once bad trees we were once evil trees once enemies of god now god through christ has transformed us has transformed our character and so within Luke's gospel here, uh, you got to remember this follows the, the teaching, right? This is closing out the, this, this whole section called the Sermon on the Plain. It's not the same as the Sermon on the Mount, but they are similar in some ways. Um, and so w- you have to remember that this is a this is a larger part, as he closes this out, this is a larger part of the Sermon on the Plain. And Jesus is closing it out by outlining the distinction between those who truly follow him versus those who simply either claim to follow him or are simply just sort of following him around, uh, seeing what they can get from him. And, and so Jesus is, in a very real sense, challenging the the understanding of righteousness by their the listener's righteousness and our righteousness by by uh, by proxy that we who are this is what true righteousness looks like and it, it is not just an outward observance but a matter of the heart right our heart determines ultimately our character determines who we are on the inside and who we've been transformed into in Christ is going to be seen it's going to be produced there's going to be production from that and 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 you have to remember so this this was a very agrarian context right this was very much uh, uh, not like our society so much Uh, perhaps years perhaps hundreds of years ago it was but this was a very agrarian society and so in the context of Jesus' audience, Jesus using the imagery of fruits and trees would have been readily understood, and hopefully for us too, right? You, you, you realize you don't go to an orange tree to get, a, to get a banana, or you don't go to a banana tree and expecting to find an orange, or you don't go to an orange tree and expect to find uh, a poisonous berry, right? You go to that kind of a tree to expecting the fruit that it's supposed to produce, and Jesus uses this idea of fruits and trees and, and, and even v- buildings and foundations here in just a moment to get across the very important idea that you and I will produce what's our character to produce. In other words, when, when we claim to follow Christ, but all we're producing is, is, is whatever goes against that profession, then we have very real need to examine our profession of faith. And so Jesus would read, readily uses these, these word pictures as a way for them to understand. And, and so Jesus here goes on to speak of good trees and bad trees, right? He, he conveys the idea of something. When he talks about good trees, right, um, I think we all know what he's talking about. But, but let me give you a, maybe a, a little bit more insight here. When it says that these trees are good trees, that means that they are, they are productive. They are something that is, that is to be admired among other trees. And, and the bad trees means that the, they are useless and corrupt and rotten. And, and the idea here that Jesus is using, so make no mistake, the, the, the words that Jesus is using here are meant to convey something that is of a moral nature that is at the very core of who they are, these bad trees, they're corrupt. And at the heart of these good trees, they're good. They're noble. They're productive. They are doing what they were created to do and for the purpose that they were created. And so the terms Jesus is using here are not morally neutral, but they carry ethical implications. And the fruit, while certainly certainly uh, metaphorical, right? It does have, in, in, for us, it certainly does have ethical and moral output in our lives. It's a sign of a deeper spiritual principle. In other words, if we are good trees, we will produce good fruits. And if we are not good trees, if we're corrupt trees, if we're like the corrupt trees, then we will only produce wrong fruit, bad fruit, poison fruit, evil fruit, ruined fruit, and so Jesus says that ultimately whatever's at our heart and within our heart will ultimately be manifested in our external activities and our actions. Now, this isn't to say that you and I can't fall into sin. We most certainly can. We, we can most certainly at times even fall into grievous sins. But the, but the whole of our lives is one of production and goodness and righteousness and one that is, that is aimed toward, toward growing in Christ. So this, Jesus isn't saying that, that we're going to be perfect all the time here. He's not saying that this, that once you're a good tree, well, you know, you'll never struggle with anything ever again. But he is talking about the fact that our outward behavior will align with what's at the core of our heart. And the analogy here of Jesus talking about the good fruit and bad fruit really is a, a concept that, that would resonate not only with Jesus' ears, but even our own. It would have been very familiar with the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the rabbis. It would have been very familiar with the Jewish people, right? Because they would have constantly been, been in touch and been around these, these agricultural metaphors. And they would have been constantly applying the, the, the scriptures to this. I mean, Jesus isn't doing anything that the psalmist didn't do after all, right? What's, what is it that the psalmist likens us to? In Psalm chapter 1, the very first psalm, what is Psalm chapter 1? Right, he likens us to a tree who is planted by streams of water and produces, it produces its leaves in its season. And so Jesus is simply borrowing from Psalm 1 or Jeremiah 17 verse 8 where it talks where Jeremiah uh, has a very similar analogy there and so let me let me let me let me just stop here and let me just encourage you and I to ask the question are we as god's people truly reflecting are we reflecting what what the truth of our of our spiritual state really is? Are we are we are we producing fruit that's in keeping with what we profess to be? That we're Christians, we're followers of Jesus Christ. Is our are our lives filled with the fruit that sp- that speaks and proclaims? Yes, I know Christ. Am I perfect? not at all am i a hundred percent all the time no way i struggle just like everybody else but at the end of the day at the heart of it all i seek i desire i long to please jesus christ i long to please god the father i long to not grieve the holy spirit i long to honor god with my life is that who we are this morning is that who let me say it even more pointedly is that who you are This morning? Is that who you are this morning? Are your actions reflecting who you truly are? As a follower of Christ, because the fruit we bear is an indication of our true nature. And as disciples of Jesus, we are called to bear good fruit which is only possible if we are in the soil of the gospel if we are planted and grounded in the soil of Christ because notice what he says here in verse 45 here he says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks and so the heart really is, believer, the heart really is the source of our of our life. It's, it's the source of our life's fruit, excuse me. The heart really is the source of the life of our of our fruit, of our life. Jesus' teaching here certainly would have resonated again because of the the with, with the understanding, because the Old Testament was filled with the understanding of loving God, right? Loving God with all your heart right? Uh, everywhere you go, it was it was about heart worship, right? Loving God, honoring God, offering sacrifices. What is it that God constantly re- rebuked the nation of Israel for? That their hearts were far from, their lips were close to him, but their hearts were so far from him he even says at one point, stop bringing me all of your useless sacrifices because it doesn't do you any good. Because though you offer these and though you say you are, are my people, at the, at the end of the day, your hearts are so far from me that you're, you, you, you are completely opposite of who you profess to be. And so Jesus is seizing upon this. Something that they would have readily understood, and in our context today, we always in our in our society, right? We we constantly talk about follow your heart and oh, you know, just do what your heart you know tells you to do, or or any number of things. But but something else that we have to we have to understand here. We use this in the sense of emotion. When when we when Jesus here talks about the heart, he means the very seat of the of of, of the person in, in all of their essence right their spiritual uh their soul their body um their their spirit every part of us right we are to we are to be gathered around Christ our heart who we are ultimately our heart our 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 mind our body our soul our spirit all of this connected together in making these decisions in producing the fruit that is belongs that, that is uh, belongs to the believer of Christ and so Jesus speaks here as he does elsewhere in the gospel of Matthew Jesus says right where your treasure is there your heart will be also that, that's so in other words you're going to stake your life upon what you treasure you're going to build your life upon what you treasure and what you value, right? It's Jesus' point in Matthew, and it's his point here. You and I will build our lives on what we value and what we treasure. And Jesus says that will show, that will reveal itself in time. Right? We, can, we can fool people around us constantly, but ultimately we can't fool God. And we ultimately can't fool God's people in the end, because God will reveal what we truly are in the end. And so when again, when Jesus is when Jesus is contrasting the person who is quote unquote good and the person who is quote unquote evil, again, he is saying, look, if you are a good person, and, and again, we don't mean that in a in a spiritual sense, that is, that 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 everybody in, in the world is spiritually good. We know that they're not. But, but we do mean that in the sense that, that who they are at the core of their being, at their nature, is righteous and, and is, is worthy of being uh, considered noble, right? And he says, versus the evil person, the one who is malicious and wicked and morally corrupt, Jesus is drawing diametrically opposed pictures here for us. He's saying, look, if you're a good tree, this is what you're going to be like. And if you're a bad tree, this is what you're going to be like. And so he he draws, he makes these drastic contrasts for for us, for our necessity. Jesus wants us to know that there are two types of people with different moral orientations. If we are in Christ, we are good trees. because Only because of Christ's goodness and only because of Christ's righteousness. And if we're not in Christ, then the, trees that w- the fruit that will produce is, is that of evil fruit and rotten fruit and morally corrupt fruit. Because in the scriptures, the heart is seen as the repository where everything is stored, whether good or evil, and it's going to ultimately be reflected in one's life. Right. So, for instance, in Proverbs four twenty three, Solomon makes a very similar uh, appro- uh, makes a very similar observation there. Right? we talk about the the good treasure and the evil treasure metaphorically, right? As a metaphor representing our our spiritual and moral values that are stored within the person. This treasure implies something that is of great worth and value, and that we've accumulated and stored up for ourselves because it's so valuable to us. Why is it that Jesus makes such a big deal in the Gospel of Matthew? Uh, and and in Luke about uh, the pearl of great price and finding the treasure in the field and going and selling everything and then then selling all to buy that field so you can have that treasure. It's because at the very core of our being what we value is going to express itself in our lives if we value Christ if we love Christ if we serve Christ if Christ is is our sole motivating factor in this life in loving our families in loving our wives and loving our husbands and loving our, our 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 co-workers or loving in loving our neighbors or whoever the case may be when that is the case we do what we do not for ourselves and not for selfish reasons but for the glory of God and the sake of Christ Why is it that, why is it that Jesus says, when he's asked, hey, uh, who is my, by the self-righteous Pharisee, and just who is my neighbor, and then he goes on, and he tells the story of the parable of the, uh, and we'll get to here in a couple weeks, Lord willing, of of the Samaritan, and he tells him that, and Another point he, he asked, he said, so, you know, like, Jesus, so what, 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 what's the law? And what's all the law and the prophets say? And Jesus says, well, how do you read it? And he says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yeah, you've rightly said this uh, because upon all of the law and the prophets, this is, what, this is what they all hang on, these two commandments. And that's imported for us and to followers of being followers of Christ. It implies what we value. So Christian, let me ask you this. What are you storing up in your life? What are you storing up in your heart? What are you storing up? Are you simply storing up various types of treasure, gold, silver, precious stones, jewels of various kinds? That's all fine. But if it's to the neglect of your soul, Jesus himself would say to us, what value is it if you gain the whole world and yet lose your soul? So we should store up what is good and noble and true. Again, Jesus isn't telling us not to. Jesus isn't telling us not to have uh, treasure and, and precious stones and gold. I mean, you know, we should we should um, obviously be wise in all of our, our lives. But but at the end of the day, uh, what do we ultimately treasure in our heart? Is it God? Is it Christ? Is it the gospel? Is it the word of God? Is it the spirit? Who who are we loving? Who is this about? Who is your life about? Who is my life about? Because the heart, in biblical terms, is the fountain of all of life's expressions. And so true discipleship involves an absolute heart transformation. In order for you and I to truly follow Jesus, it requires a heart transformation. And what do I mean by that? Well, it means that God has to take out of my old, of my old being a, a heart that is st- of stone and is dead and replace that by putting into me, by creating a, a heart transplant and putting in a heart of flesh and a heart that is sensitive to the word of God and the will of God, that is sensitive to following the Lord and loving the Lord and regenerating us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we we have been changed and transformed from the inside out, not the outside in, which is why we have to be so careful when we're talking about following Jesus that we simply just don't fall into, you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this, and we try to make people more moral, but all we end up doing is making people more moral while they are going to hell. We want to see a heart transformation. Jesus is talking about a heart transformation. This is why the gospel must be preached. This is why the gospel must be proclaimed. This is why G- the work of Christ on behalf of sinners must be clearly proclaimed. Because it doesn't matter how moral or good that person is. If they don't know Christ and their life and their heart has not been transformed, they, don't sti- they still don't know Christ. And there is no eternal hope for them. This is why we must proclaim Christ. The love of God in Christ. Right In this way God loved the world. In this way God loved the world. I don't want to get too much off of this. But you understand that when the world there. Means cosmos right. Which encompassed more than simply. Our physical realm. It encompassed. It encompassed, yes, us, but in the work of Christ, there's a transformation of the cosmos that occurs and takes place in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm. In in every sense of that, God says that because he loved mankind so much that he gave his only begotten son so that in the giving of his son, Christ would transform the cosmos back to where it was supposed to be. And that's what he's doing. He is, un- even now in Christ, as sinners are coming to faith in Christ and responding to Christ, Christ is beginning to, un- he is unraveling and unrolling, right? That's what all of Revelation is. Yes, there's lots of destruction. Yes, there's lots of lots of uh, judgment happening. But at the end of all of it, what was the point? To roll it all back to where it was supposed to be in the first place. And so we see the work of Christ in the heart of the believer, in our words, in our actions. And, believer, I would say this. I know that a lot of times we simply put a lot of, well, what, what, what exactly on the, on the physical stuff we can see. But we're more than just physical beings, right? We're spiritual beings as well. So, what does this look like for you? spiritually what does this look like for me spiritually what are we valuing what are we loving what has been changed within our hearts because Jesus will go on here when he's talking about this talking about this good and bad tree here in verse 45 look what he says here a good man and out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Again, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Words are the overflow of the heart. Actions are also the overflow of the heart. Which is why when people say something, and then they back it up and they say, well, I didn't really mean it. Yeah, you did or you wouldn't have said it. Now, you can certainly follow that up quickly and say, look, that was wicked and sinful and wrong. And I ask your forgiveness. I repent before God and to you. That was wicked and evil. and I have no idea where that came from, except for the fact that it came out of a heart that was unprotected and was ungracious to you. But brothers and sisters, Jesus is clear here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we who are God's people must understand that our speech is a reflection of our heart. Words are the overflow of our heart. Jesus wants us to fully understand that when he says overflow here, this, this idea of, of this, this fruit that is overflowing in, in abundance out of a basket, right? It carries the sense of abundance or excess, indicating that our speech is clear and, and an abundant indicator of, of our inner state. And let's just be honest, and this doesn't mean that I can't sin as a Christian. Most certainly do, right? Most certainly do. But the reality is is that I can tell really where I'm at spiritually, by the way that I'm speaking, by the way that I'm thinking, by the way that I'm beginning to, to value the things I'm valuing, the things that I'm putting an emphasis on. Like I can really tell, you know, if, if my spiritual life really begins to wane, I, I feel that. I, I know some of you may think that's silly, but, but I feel that. I feel that in my soul. I feel that when I begin to neglect things that I shouldn't be neglecting, or I begin to get busy and I begin to let busyness push God out of my life uh, or into into a, a recess of my life, it becomes evident by the way that I begin speaking and thinking and talking, by the way that I'm I'm listening to things or valuing things or watching things, and and from a from a from a from the From the word of God here, the the idea, the concept is that from a theological perspective, this verse really does reinforce the concept that genuine life and heart transformation is required for us to be genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. It is not enough for us to simply act righteous. It's not simply enough for us to speak righteous. It is important that we speak and act because our heart has been transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That our heart has taken, the the tree of our life has taken root in the soil of the gospel of Jesus Christ who has loved me and restored me to a right relationship with the Father through faith alone in the work of Christ alone. So let me ask you, how your words how are your words as you speak about others? How are your words about yourself? How are your words as you as you think about other people or situations? Again, this doesn't mean that I can't disagree with someone. It doesn't mean I can't have strong convictions. Right? That's not the point of what Jesus is saying here. But it is, it is, he is specifically getting at the heart or getting getting to the heart of the matter that whatever we actually value we're going to speak we're going to talk about that's what we're going to do that's who we're going to be and i've got some bad news for you we're, we're, we're getting ready to end here because we're not going to get through the rest of the, the rest of the chapter so we'll just bring back lord willing next week to this but i will say this let me close by talking about this The exposure of the heart reveals several things. First, a man's words expose his true nature. That is what he's really like beneath beneath the surface. If a man can make crude, rude, wicked jokes, that is a man who is headed for a fall. It's a man who is going to sin. If his heart is unguarded, if he can speak crudely and rudely and in ways that is unbecoming of a Christian brother about a Christian sister or another woman or vice versa. That is a brother who is getting ready to fall because his words expose his true nature. What he's really like beneath the surface, as I said. Listen, when people tell you who they are, believe them. Second of all, the exposure of a man's words really exposes what he's like deep down in his heart his motives his ambitions his desires his lack or his lack of initiative brothers we must be men of initiative and ambition and desire doing what is good and right and holy in the sight of god our father we must have our motives correct and right before God as we, as we are motivated by God in his glory to do what we do in our work or in our home life and loving our families well and loving our brothers and sisters in Christ well. I'll say this, the exposure of the heart reveals that a man's, <clears throat> a man's words expose his true character whether he is a good or bad man, a kind or cruel man. And the exposure of the heart reveals that a man's words often expose his mind, what he thinks, whether they're pure or impure thoughts, dirty or clean thoughts, they expose what he values. Or a man's words expose his spirit. Now you understand, let me be clear about that. I want to just back up here, okay, and just make a statement here. There is nothing wrong between a husband and a wife Having conversations that husbands and wives should have, you understand that, right? There's nothing sinful or wicked about that. What is sinful and wicked is having those conversations and those thoughts about men or women who are not your husband or not your wife. So, I just want to be clear about that. And the reason I want to be clear about that is because for so long, the idea of 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 sex and marital relationships have been so downplayed and not even talked about that we treat it as if it's it's wicked and false and that's just not true let me just be honest with you so when we talk about dirty or impure thoughts we're not talking about rela- conversations or relationships between husbands and wives now obviously if your wife or your husband says I don't like doing that or thinking about that that's a whole other issue but conversations between husbands and wives is not what I'm talking about it's not what Jesus is referring to these pure or impure thoughts dirty or clean thoughts do reveal A man who's given over to all sorts of lasciviousness and wickedness, certainly that will be revealed in his own life. Lastly, let me say this, the exposure of the heart reveals that a man's words expose his spirit, what he believes, what he pursues, whether he is a legitimate or an illegitimate man, whether he is an intelligent man or an ignorant man, or he is a fool, whether he is a true or false in his words, and his character, or even his following of Christ, and that he is, whether he is a beneficial man or a wasteful, lethargic fool who wastes everything that God gives them. And I use the word man, but, but obviously we, we could apply that just to people in general, right? And, and so we, we understand that our, our, our hearts expose, are exposed in our words the, the type of people that we are. The types of people that we are is exposed clearly by the things that we say and the things that we do. Is it any wonder that, that it was prayed multiple times throughout Scripture, throughout the Psalms and, and throughout Proverbs, to either, Lord, set a guard over my mouth or, Lord, or to set a guard over your mouth. So this is why James even says, Brothers and sisters, if any man can tame a tongue, he's a righteous man. Let us tame our tongues, tame our lives, tame our hearts for the glory of God. And let me ask, let me close by simply asking this question. Are you? Because let me, let me tell you the, ultimately the difference between a man of God and a woman of God and someone who's simply playing. It's that at the end of the day, they recognize and ultimately confess their sin, their wretchedness, and they flee to God's grace and mercy for forgiveness and grace because there is plenty of grace to be had for the believer. I don't want to leave you with all law here this morning. There's certainly a lot of law here that God has given, but I also want to leave you with grace that though we have, may have fallen and though we may have sinned, there is grace by, from God, by God, to repent. But we must be willing to repent, believer, We must be willing to to not harbor these things in our hearts, but confess these things and to repent of these things. By God's grace, there is grace for you. There's grace for me. There's grace for us when we do sin that we can. If, If I have sinned against my wife and something that I've said, I can go back to her and say, look, I sinned against you. This was wicked and evil, and I said it because I was just mad and I wanted to hurt you. So please forgive me. I confess before you and God that it was sinful and wrong and wicked and please forgive me. And then go and do not sin anymore, right? as Jesus says. And so as we as God's people, we must be careful to guard our hearts, but at the same time recognize there is grace for us when we do sin. There is grace for you. There's grace for me. There's enough grace for everybody. So let us come to Christ and flee to Christ when we find ourselves, first and foremost, making sure that we know Christ. And second of all, if we do know Christ, that our hearts are aligned with God's word and God's will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. Father, we, we ask that your name would be glorified and honored. And Lord, help us, to, help us to walk as sons and daughters of the light as sons and daughters of the kingdom of light, to walk as children, sons and daughters of of God. Let our words be right and pure and true. Let our actions and our motives be true and right. And Father, when they are not, let us graciously, freely come and confess those sins, finding grace in those times of necessity. So God, we belong to you we are your people we know that we need you so may you draw us to yourself may you draw us close may you grant us the assurance of pardon if we repent and confess our sins but God we also pray for those who may be here this morning who do not know Christ who are maybe even just pretending may you draw them to Christ may you transform their heart give them the heart of flesh that was prophesied by the Jeremiah the prophet in the book of Jeremiah and is said of Jesus in John chapter 3 lord we ask that you would do this for your name's sake now in Jesus name amen, amen. <clears throat>